0: Welcome to the pilot episode of The Avatar Returns. On this podcast, we're going to watch and discuss uh, every episode of the Nickelodeon animated series Avatar The Last Airbender and its sequel series The Legend of Korra, both created by Brian Konitzko and Michael Dante DiMartino. That's uh, If my count is correct, that's 113 episodes of Zen Badassery, and uh, that's probably going to work out to right around a year's worth of podcasting, so... Let's get this show started. Uh, but first of all, let's, uh, let's meet the hosts, shall we? Um, my name's Paul Smith. I'm the co-host of the Gobbledy Geek podcast. Uh, the Avatar Returns is actually the second in a growing family of spin-off podcasts under the Gobbledy Geek banner. Um, following following in the successful footsteps of the uh, the wonderful Smoke gets in your Ears, a Mad Men podcast. Um, that show is the brainchild of my fellow gobbledy geek co-host and resident avatar noob a j Wiley, a j
1: Hello, thanks for uh, thanks
0: for having me. Oh, well, I mean, you were here. i couldn't couldn't really <laughs> do a show and not say anything about it. So this is
1: the only one of these I have to be on, right? I'm not expected to come back every week.
0: right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thank God. So, uh, rounding out um, Team Avatar returns, our good friend, uh, author, and host of the podcast Making the Scene, Eric Sipple.
2: Hey there. I I actually don't know where I am or what podcast I'm on, but I really appreciate you all asking me <laughs> to be here. Shh,
0: just relax, Eric. Just just take it. Just take whatever comes. It'll all be okay. I'm just
2: kidding. All right. I'm I'm I'll wait. I'll wait. It we'll puts, find it out as it happens.
0: It puts it puts the lotion on its skin. Okay. <laughs>
1: Um, Jesus Christ. I know. I went to a This early, This early into the podcast a, about a Nickelodeon a Ni- show.
2: Yeah, an animated show. This is a kid's show, and we've already gone full Silence of the Lambs.
0: I, I suppose uh, – I'm assuming this show is going to come with an explicit tag on it, just like all of the podcasts I'm involved in are. Uh, it is an animated series. It did air on Nickelodeon, but it wasn't exactly a kid's show. It kind of started out that way, but it, it, it ultimately was uh, good for kids and adults, so – I mean, I suppose I'll try to rein in the language a little bit, but, you know, no promises. This is not I a kid's highly, podcast. That's not going to happen. No, probably not. But I have the best of intentions. That's all that matters, right? <clears throat> uh, so the idea here is uh, we're going to be examining each week. We're going to examine two to four episodes, uh, beginning at the very the first episode of Avatar The Last Airbender, working our way through to the finale of The Legend of Korra. Um, we may possibly take an episode in the middle somewhere to talk about the official tie-in comic series that bridges those two shows. I don't know. That's not decided yet. Um, A little, uh, a little groundwork here. These shows refer to seasons as books. Uh, Each book is named for one of the elements uh, that, that that season most deeply explores Uh, and episodes are referred to as chapters. So, uh, Every epic martial arts-infused journey of world-saving and self-discovery It has to begin with a single podcast, right? That's the quote um, Avatar The Last Airbender begins with book one, Water And tonight we're going to be talking about chapters one through three uh, Which are The Boy in the Iceberg, The Avatar Returns, and The Southern Air Temple So... Where do we start? I, I suppose we should mention that uh, a, another page that I'm stealing from uh, AJ's Smoke its in Your Ears is the idea that we have two fans and one newbie. Uh, Eric and I have both seen the shows all the way through. We're, we're fans already, and AJ has never watched the show before, so he's, he's a newcomer.
1: And so that means, I'm just I'm, I'm assuming here, uh, if you're listening along and you, for whatever reason, you're watching along with us, I would assume that means there won't be any spoilers.
0: <laughs> yes, we hope so. This, this is, yeah, I don't know. This is going to be a challenge for me because uh, hopefully, you know, we'll find a rhythm. I mean, how did you make that work on uh, Smoke Gets in Your Ears? Because you had the same situation there.
1: I think, so we, I believe, except for maybe one instance, one notable instance, we uh, avoided spoiling uh, our newbie, Joe, Um, but Ken and I, since we knew what was coming up, we knew what the show was, was leading to, if we saw something happen that sort of subtly alluded to what was going to happen, we would mention that, like, hey, this detail might not seem important right now, but it might be leading somewhere, or we would just point out uh, a character who seemed insignificant that we knew would become important later on um, without you know actually spoiling what happened
0: right
2: and when when we were doing the um when i when I was on with you with the Sandman stuff, that's pretty much how we handled Sandman as yeah. well yeah that's true um, that's just true. you know alluding to things but not not spoiling anything for anyone who's watching along i think
0: I think it's possible. I think we can do that okay. Well, so so that's our intent. We, uh, yeah, we'll make every effort to enjoy the show as we view it, not uh, not spoil things that are coming up. So, uh, AJ, I guess I'll I'll start with you since this was the first time okay. you've seen this. Um, wh- how, what did you think? I mean, <laughs> you've you've watched three episodes now. Are you sorry that you've signed on to this project? I was sadly
1: disappointed that it wasn't. Uh, in either black or wh- black and white or Swedish um, that was a real blow to me yeah it was devastating yeah I knew um, that would
0: be a challenge going into this
1: if uh, if you don't listen to gobbledy geek um, that's my persona I'm pretentious um, no I, I this, so this is my first time watching this I was aware of the show when it was on the air I think I may have caught like a bit of an episode here and there actually when I was uh, uh, Babysitting is the wrong word, but when I was like at a friend's house, we were watching the like her younger siblings. Um, so I, I caught bits and pieces of it. I knew, like, I knew even then that it was supposed to be a good show. And in the years since, obviously, it's gotten such a following. So I've I've heard so many good things about both of these series. Um, but yeah, this was my first time watching Avatar, um, not counting the James Cameron film. Um, and I've seen uh. this is much better. This is much better than the James Cameron what? film.
2: I, I like I like the James Cameron film enough, but I just want to say that I'm really disappointed that we're what, like 10 minutes into this podcast and we've already had a James Cameron <laughs> avatar joke. Well, how, you could how you, do couldn't,
1: you, you couldn't
2: <laughs> you couldn't avoid
1: that. How do you avoid that? I just want to know, like how they got away with naming that avatar. Like. Well, th-
0: like that's what are you that's
2: why. Th- w- was the show out at that point?
1: It was the show is over.
0: Yeah.
2: When when James Cameron's Avatar came
1: out? Yeah, because uh, the, uh, the Avatar ran from 2005 to 2008. Uh, Avatar came out in 2009. The mo- the James oh. Cameron movie. I didn't know that.
2: I guess it was James Cameron. Although it's funny because when it went the other way, whenever and night like Shyamalan made his Avatar movie, they couldn't call it Avatar, so it just had to be called The Last Airbender. Right. So,
0: yeah. Which is fine by me. I um, <laughs> you know, full disclosure, I have not seen that movie. I was. After the first time I watched uh, the series, Avatar, uh, I was just curious enough that I kind of asked around. I'd I'd heard that it wasn't a good movie, but I asked people. I was like, hey, I really enjoyed this show. Should I watch the movie? And universally, everybody said no. Under no circumstances should you watch that movie. So, I I will
2: say that I I know one person who watched it, and it was their gateway into the series itself.
0: OK, so mm.
2: that I that is enough to make if it got one person to watch the show, I think that the movie did its business. So that's OK. I will be
1: watching the movie. I'm just going to put that out there right now.
0: I, I probably will, too. I mean, curiosity is going to get the better of me and, and I'm, I'm probably going to have to see it. But we at least at the moment, our plan is not to be discussing that movie. So we're here to talk we'll see, about yeah. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Yeah.
1: But anyway, yes, I, I have to say I, I
0: really enjoyed Uh, the three chapters that we watched for this week's episode. Um, Eric, what's, what's your history with this? When did you start watching it? Um, It was a couple years ago. I don't remember exactly when
2: or why I started watching it. I want to say that a friend had suggested it to me. And so I got around to watching it for that reason. So, but it was after it had been out for a little bit. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't long ago Mm -hmm. that I watched. It wasn't that long ago anyway. So yeah, I mean, I, I just a friend who really liked it was like you have to watch this, you have to watch this, and and it was someone I trusted, and then, and they were absolutely right. Although I I do remember being a little shaky on the show for the first episode or two, not because of anything other than animation quality
0: mm-hmm.
2: in the first episode or so, which was a little dodgy. But that was pretty
1: much it, and I got into the show really fast. For that. Another thing, like for me, is that uh, there are not a lot of animated series that I've actually watched from. Like front to back, and the ones that I have are comedies. So, like as far as I know, I know Avatar is not technically an anime because it's an American show, um, even though it has some stylistic similarities. Um, Like there are animes that I've I've seen bits and pieces of, but none that I've ever actually sat down and watched all the way. So this is really like my first time watching. Like even though Avatar has its comedic elements, like watching a non comedic animated show like seriously
0: yeah so like we said at the top of the show this aired on nickelodeon um and certainly the first the first few episodes I, I, they lean they lean heavily into the you know children's network animated series but even so i mean you, you can tell that this has a larger story that it is going to be told so i i first watched this um the show had been out for years i'd heard people say wonderful things about it i just never got around to watching it and i actually went to the store to buy uh, the complete series of cowboy bebop at the recommendation of about a billion people and while i was at the store picking that up someone had uh, at the register had just set down they'd changed their mind about buying the the three season collection of Avatar: The Last Airbender, and I was like, "It's fate. Someone left this here for me. I guess I'll buy it too." And then and uh, now
1: that other person has a podcast about Cowboy Bebop.
0: Probably they probably do. <laughs> um, so when I got home, I decided um, to in, instead of watching the show that I had gone to the store to pick up, I first watched Avatar, and I fell head over heels in love with it. So, um, and and I have not. I've only dipped my toes into uh cowboy bebop, but that's a uh, AJ as you said That's another podcast. I'll wait to be invited onto that guy's show um, but this uh, Eric, I don't know if you noticed that the the first two episodes the first two chapters were directed by Dave Filoni
2: Yeah, actually he was a pretty common director. I realized um, just recently this whole season. He also finished out the season so when we get to the end the um the big finale of, of season 1 is also Filoni. So he seems to be a pretty big part of the um direction of this first season which in a lot of ways sets the way the show looks um the whole way out. And in fact, I don't know if you saw this Paul, but there was actually a pilot episode of the show made yeah. that never aired.
0: And yeah, Dave I've, Filoni
2: directed that too.
0: Oh, did he? I, yeah. I didn't I didn't know he did that. I've I've seen snippets of that. It was the like 12 minute pilot that was basically just created in order to to sell the show yeah
1: um and i'm sorry dave filoni is that a name i should know already he,
0: uh D- dave he, filoni yeah go ahead eric
1: sorry yeah he is the this, um, this is my bag man yeah um no
2: um <laughs> he is he is the the head and i don't know if he was the creator but he was pretty much the person in charge of star the clone wars star wars clone wars and now star wars rebels so okay. those those are pretty much his shows, and he's really the creative force. And I'm not sure if he was. I got the feeling that he kind of took over Clone Wars, like like not in the very first episode, but like as the show ran on. But he worked um, pretty high up as things went on, and now Rebels is pretty much entirely his show. I mean, there's like two or three executive producers, but you get the feeling that he's like the
0: real creative force he's, on he's, it. He's basically the showrunner.
2: Yeah, yeah, there's like there's three executive producers, and I found that the other executive producers on all the shows seemed to rotate out, but he stuck around. So, um, and I'm a huge, huge Clone Wars fan and a pretty huge Rebels fan, too. So, um, him, he's, he's a, a pretty big talent, so I think it's really interesting that he was, I mean, the fact that he directed the pilot says that, you know, there are aspects of the way the show work that I'm sure are his fingerprints. I'm not going to try to pick apart which ones are, but... Yeah. You know, he obviously had a pretty, uh, he obviously was a force in um, shaping what the show looks like. And considering we ended up getting like seven seasons of Avatar when all is said and done, um, it's pretty cool that that he was there at the beginning setting stuff up.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah, that's one of the big selling points uh, for me, uh, for Avatar. Well, for both shows, Avatar and Korra. Um, Well, I guess more so Avatar. We'll deal with Korra when we get there. But Avatar is uh, three seasons and done. And it was always intended to be that. This is a... This is a story that the two creators, uh, Mike DiMartino and Brian Kanetsko, they had a vision. They had a a story with a beginning, a middle, and an end, and uh, they stuck to it. So, um, you know, other people involved in the production have said that as they were nearing the end of, of book three, of season three, they were... They were really hoping that there would, you know, be a magic save at the end that they that the show would continue. But uh, Mike and Brian uh, stuck to their guns and they they told the finite story that they set out to tell. And uh, I really appreciate that.
2: Yeah, the, the cool thing about Avatar, and this is something that a, a perspective I'll try to bring as this show goes on, is probably maybe the only American animation show that really feels like it learned lessons from anime without actually copying anime style like you know this doesn't really look like anime um but and it's not necessarily built like anime but it learned a lot of lessons about the more plotty anime and there are a lot of ways the way that avatar continues on and pays off that reminds me of a lot of the really great anime shows and especially gundam which is uh probably the master of how to set up and pay off plot when you get to animated television so i do think that they're um that was something they took over was this idea of like, tell a story. You know what I mean? This is not going to run forever. This is not Samurai Jack, which is a bunch of standalones until we run out of ideas. It's, it's a story just like you'd get on anything else. And I think that was, this doesn't happen a lot in American animated television. So it's pretty cool that they, they not only had the idea, but they, they did it went all the way through
0: with it. Yeah. Um, Who wants to take a stab at explaining what the idea is? So, Okay, I'll take it
2: okay. um so the idea of the avatar is it's a fantasy series set on a world where magic is um essentially elemental control, and there are people who are born into various nations or tribes on the world that have the ability to either fire or airbend or water bend or earth Bend and they can control those elements and there have been cultures that have developed around those. There's a fire nation and a Earth Nation and a Water Tribe and the Air Nomads. Um, at all times, though, there is one person, the Avatar, who can bend all the elements. And the purpose of the Avatar is to keep the world in balance. And the Avatar is um, reincarnated from life to life um, in a way that I think was very obviously drawn from the way the Dalai Lama, mm-hmm. um, you know, that in in uh, Tibetan Buddhism. Um, and the Avatar not only can bend all the elements, but has access to the um, that has a connection, I should say, back to those past lives. And um, that is a really big part of it that the Avatar is a tradition, not just a person with superpowers, but a person who has a long standing tradition of becoming um, the person who should keep things in balance. Unfortunately, as we opened the series, the Avatar has been gone for 100 years. There has not been a new Avatar for over a century. And in that time, the Fire Nation has begun kicking the unholy crap out of everyone else in the world. (laughs) And we get, we enter the world in the Southern water tribes at the South pole of the world um, with two characters um, who are living under the shadow of the fire nations um, oppression. And that's where we start. How'd I do?
0: Yeah, no, that was great. That was great. All right. Um, All right. Yeah. So those two characters are uh, brother and sister, Sokka and Katara. And, uh, um, AJ, what did you think of their introduction? That is, each each episode of the show is, uh, 22 minutes, I believe. So, uh, there's a lot of information that gets, well, I, you know, AJ and I right now on our other podcast are, are reviewing, are reading the, uh, the Bone series by Jeff Smith. And we talk a lot about info dumps in that. The, the info dumps in, avatar don't even compare to that but in 22 minutes there's a lot of information that has to be conveyed so
1: i actually thought it was pretty skillfully conveyed i mean it didn't really there was obviously some exposition you have to have that exposition to set up the series but i felt for you know for again like you said each episode is 22 minutes long um for that much information to, to be conveyed in that much time and still have it feel like it's telling a story with like momentum, I thought was pretty impressive. So I didn't. I don't think this, I didn't really feel like an info dump to me. It just yeah. felt like gradually introducing you to these characters in this new world. And even you know, at the end of these three episodes, I feel like I have a pr- fairly decent sense of what this world is going to be.
0: Cool. Um, I, I want to make note of the fact that uh, when I first watched this show, I watched like I mentioned, I watched it on DVD. And uh, on the DVD versions of these, um, every episode has the same intro. Uh, There's an intro voiceover that kind of sets the stage. And it's the whole, you know, uh, long ago there were four nations. And so basically what Eric just did. uh, But for the purposes of this podcast, I've purchased the series digitally so I can watch them on my devices whenever I need to. And the digital download versions that I've watched... Um, The first episode has a much longer introduction it has a different intro from every other episode and I had not seen that before Uh, And that's a little a a little bit. I mean, it's still skillfully done But it's a little bit of an info dump That's where they set the stage for the hundred years war and that all the men of the southern water tribe two years ago they went off to war and haven't been seen since and all that stuff Uh, it's also It's it's pretty dark like your your first introduction to this world, uh, this kid's show on Nickelodeon uh, basically shows a, a war-torn world and, uh, you know, burning cities and talking about how the Fire Nation is, uh, is about to win this war. Uh, I don't know. It was kind of a dark way to start a Nickelodeon show. Speaking
1: of that, I well, think actually my, my first note, so I didn't see that intro, but the first note I have was, do you think any other Nickelodeon series uh, throw around words like sexist? because that's like one of the first lines of dialogue in the series is uh Katara calling Sokka sexist and I just that's not like a huge deal but it was just funny to me like I think that pretty clearly shows this is a little different than like I don't know whatever Nickelodeon shows around at the time like that one about the kid who skateboards or whatever
0: (laughs) you know that one sure
1: I mean, this is a show where the, the
2: one of the core pieces of the mythology is the genocide of all of Aang's people.
0: Yes, you know, one yeah. of the main
2: the, ma- the uh, main character, Aang, the, the, the avatar, um, the titular avatar, all of the Air Nomads, as of the beginning of the series, have been wiped out over a century ago. They're gone. Everyone is dead. And they don't just sort of keep that idea off in the background. It's not just that he's the last airbender, which I've seen kids shows do that where they sort of just like hand wave at the mm-hmm. fact that everyone's gone. Mm-hmm. We see in this first block, we go to one of the temples and we see bodies everywhere. Oh yeah. The the massacre of the people who are attacking and the people who were killed there, there is no punches pulled when it comes to getting across that all of Aang's people were murdered.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I mean, there's, uh, there's elements of, well, I mean, Aang has to deal with that. So, uh, it, one of the things that this series does is shows like these first three episodes that we've watched, you get the, it sort of sets the stage. It shows that uh, Katara is the, the, the hopeful one. Uh, she's the one that's filled with hope for, you know, that the avatar can save the world. Sokka's the, the sort of obstinate, sarcastic, snarky one. Uh, and Aang just wants to be a kid. Aang is a, he's a 12 year old kid. Uh, who's who just slept through the last hundred years, and he wakes up and finds that his entire culture has been wiped off the earth. So you do get to see a struggle with him. He's, he, he's very positive, he's very lighthearted, but you do see him struggle with it every once in a while.
2: It, it's actually one of the cleverest ways I've seen a show kind of become a Nickelodeon show in a way that is in-world, that doesn't make the goofiness completely out of character. By making the main character be too young to have this responsibility on him and actually make that part of the plot. You know, he is too young to have this responsibility. They make the point pretty early on in these episodes, or maybe it was the third episode that he shouldn't have even been told he was the avatar until he was 16. Right. But he was told when he was 12 because things were getting so bad. So, you know, this is a kid who was not, had not yet grown up when he was tossed into this massive responsibility to bring balance to the world. And so, you know, the fact that he occasionally goofs off and likes to goof off and isn't quite taking this seriously is a hundred percent in character, but also gives them the ability to do Nickelodeon goofiness that, that doesn't <laughs> feel completely out of place. It's, it's very, it's very deft.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was watching, uh, some behind the scenes stuff and everything, kind of making of featurettes and, uh, and, uh, Mike and Brian were talking about how, uh, they basically, they went to Nickelodeon, uh, and, and Nickelodeon was like, well, you know, we want to do, we want to do a show that has to do with some kind of, you know, mytholo- mythology that we're looking for that kind of thing. And they decided, they said, all right, well, we'll, we'll come back in a few days and pitch you something. And the Nickelodeon's big note was um, there can't be any violence, meaning that, <laughs> meaning that they didn't want, you know, people punching each other and, and that kind of stuff, which it, it's funny to hear that because that, I mean, that does actually end up happening in this show. The show obviously has elements of violence, but Nickelodeon, uh, they bought into the notion of the the bending as a, kind of a way around typical violence. Um,
1: I, I, sort of like how in the uh, old Ninja Turtles cartoon, they could only use their weapons because the Foot Clan were robots.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, something like that. Um, this is, I, I love this is even
2: better because, okay, we can't punch, but if you punch fire at someone, <laughs> yes, then fair. it's totally okay.
1: Yeah, you know, yeah. it's so, okay, I'm, I'm thinking about it, that uh, fight in uh, the third episode between Prince Zuko and the the other guy, whose name I don't know. Commander um, Shao. Commander Shao. Um, the fight between them, are there no actual, like, blows exchanged
0: in that fight? No, they they never there, they never physically hit each other. Holy well, shit! No, that's not that's
2: not. It's, there's one. He does trip Zhao. That's it. There's a point when yeah, when Zuko true. is yeah. on the ground and Zhao is over him. He in his like kip, kip up sort of thing. He trips Zhao. That's it. That's the only time I think they make physical contact is then. Yeah. And then whenever he tries, when Zhao at the end tries to hit Zuko, um, Iroh grabs his um, his ankle basically. But that's it. Yeah. I think those are that the only two points of contact blows in that blows my
1: mind. That blows my mind. That is insane. <laughs> because, you know, g- not having that in my head, probably because, um, what just uh, s- several years before Avatar was on Nickelodeon, um, Cartoon Network had Dragon Ball Z on all the time, which I did watch as a kid, and that was incredibly violent. Insanely violent. So <laughs> I just assumed that that was okay. For, for cartoons and so I watching uh, that fight never once occurred to me that they couldn't actually hit each other and it also never occurred to me that they didn't
2: well and, and you know they, they it eventually kind of I mean like there's that sort of loosens more and more as the show goes yeah I that think, does, right that does go
0: away
1: yeah
2: I mean but but it's it's obvious that they came up with this like the, this method of fighting as a way of like well we can have cool action scenes without people getting punched in the jaw this right, way right
0: yeah I mean the obviously nickelodeon <laughs> loosens the reins at a certain point because the the violence does uh it does get a little more graphic i mean I, to the best of my knowledge you never see blood or anything on this show maybe i mean you might see a cut here or there but nobody ever gets beheaded on camera i'm just kind of wondering
1: why did they again in a world post post american kids loving the shit out of dragon ball z what what is the reason like, i i, I mean, still get it
0: it may have been, you know, new. There may have been new heads of the studio, or they may have been just trying to fill a different market. I don't, I don't know. But that was the uh, by, note by, that they were given. So,
2: by all accounts, Nickelodeon just seems like a like a weird network, you know, like in terms of what their priorities are. And let's and remember also this was two thousand and five. Right. So, you know, I think that the identity of Nickelodeon is was different than the identity of Cartoon Network, especially at that time. I think that's changed somewhat, but Nickelodeon's kid image was very different than Cartoon Network's kid image, as sure. as of the time this came out. Um, but since we're talking about fighting, this kind of links up to the beginning of the show, and I think it's something that we should probably start talking about soon, because it's going to play into our other discussions, is one of the coolest things they did, and I'm not really sure where, who, you know, where, who put the work into this, but it's great. All of the bending styles, and you get this right from the beginning, because like the introduction of every episode gives you like fire, earth, water, and like you see each of them do a move. And what you learn very quickly is each of the bending styles uses a completely different form of martial arts that goes along with that that element, basically. And it's really cool. They're very on point with it.
0: Yeah, so Brian Konitzko, uh, one of the co-creators, he had he had taken martial arts for years, <clears throat> and he loved like kung fu movies and that kind of stuff, and uh, he was he was studying under uh, Sifu Sifu Kisu, I think is his name. Sifu means teacher, basically. It's Chinese for sensei. Anyways, Sifu Kisu. And uh, when it came time to like, they didn't. He said he didn't just want to, you know, copy kung fu moves that you see in movies or whatever. He wanted this to feel grounded and real. So he. Uh, Kisu became the martial arts consultant for the show and it was actually Kisu's idea to assign like they had a meeting and they talked about what, these, what the Fire Nation was like what the Air Nomads were like uh, what the story was going to be and Kisu figured out what uh, existing martial arts style seemed to represent that the most so the ones that we've seen so far in these first three episodes we get an example of Firebending, and that's um, Northern Shaolin Kung Fu is the style that you see there. So all the animation, like all, all of the animators were, uh, were put in martial arts classes. Um, like they all took these styles and they, they had plenty of video reference and all that. So when you watch the fight between uh, Prince Zuko and commander Zhao, like, like those are actual moves. The, those, they're not just, you know, cartoon chopsaki stuff. That's actual Northern Shaolin that you're watching. Um, and then, Uh, airbending is Bagua, which is another kind of, it's similar to Tai Chi. Waterbending is Tai Chi. Um, so I just, yeah, that is one of my favorite things about the show. And it was one of the things that first impressed me was, um, you know, I, I I don't want to talk down about, um, uh dragon ball z or anything like that because i haven't seen it but as far as i know when they do some weird martial arts thing in dragon ball z it's probably just like cartoon chopsaki stuff right
2: I assume. yeah by and large yeah. if it's even animated that well at all and the animation quality in dragon ball z is very very rarely good enough to portray any particular type of martial art
0: yeah Hey, um,
1: nine-year-old me is going <laughs> to kick the shit out of you
0: <laughs> with your cartoon kung fu yes <laughs> um yeah but uh, I, w- i just i was immediately impressed by the fact that all of the the various bending styles in this look very distinct and you, it just, it's one of the many things that they put into the show that makes everything feel grounded and realistic. And just watching the firebenders, uh, you know, go through their moves and and perform their martial arts tells you something about their culture. And the same with uh, Aang doing the airbending. I I just, Um, I loved that.
1: Yeah, like, I, I think maybe the most impressive, like, I, I read about that after watching these episodes, but even before knowing all of that, I could tell, in the, again, in the fight between Zuko and Zhao, um, that, like, it felt like a real, it felt real to me. It felt like a real fight, and especially I loved how um, you were able to tell that Zhao was a lot more uh, graceful and a lot more imposing than Zuko who seemed seemed a lot um, a little sloppier a little more a little more brash um, and that was to me was really impressive because I, it's not something I mean it's not something you see a lot of times in, in cartoons
2: yeah it, it, there's there is character to the fight scenes in this which in most animated series especially in at least in America there's very rarely character to action sequences, like to fight scenes, because no one puts that kind of effort in. And it's really nice to see that. And that's one of the many things I feel like they took from really good anime is that the fight scenes in these, the fighting style, everything about it conveys character. Um, and they really take that to another level as things go on. Every Every character, there's an element of them in their fighting style. And I just, it makes those fights visceral in a way that you wouldn't get if it was just like punch, punch, punch. And it's it's very, very well handled the whole time.
0: What character stands out to you, AJ? Like you, you've met four characters as of these three episodes. Um, well, hey, he's met five, five. Iro, Uncle Iroh, I'm sorry. Yeah, let's, um, let's not forget Iroh. But like what characters stand out to you?
1: Um, I, I like all of them, um, except for maybe Zuko. Um, but I, uh, hmm, that's especially like the core three, Aang, Katara and Sokka. I really like all of them. At first I was a little worried that I was, I was going to find Sokka annoying, Mm -hmm. but I think even in like, like maybe the first episode I did, but even in the second and third episodes, they add a little more, uh, dimension to him. He's not just, he's not just like quippy sarcastic guy he also pretty I liked how quickly he came to to care for Aang instead of like him just constantly like like denying you know or rejecting Aang
0: yeah in the Uh, in the third episode uh, the southern air temple there was a there's a great moment where so so they make their way to the southern air temple where uh, Aang's people were a hundred years ago and and um, Katara's you know trying to trying to brace him she's like you know i just just i want you to be prepared for what we might see there and ang is just exuberant and excited to go home and he's he's hopeful or whatever and when they get there and they see that the place is abandoned and everything ang starts to get depressed and uh sokka and katara share a look and sokka steps up and he's like hey what about that game that you were telling us about that you used to play why don't you show me how to do that Uh, that was just a great moment that showed that Sokka is on board with this, and he he is looking out for Aang as well. Yeah,
2: I really like that. I really, Paul, I I want to keep this vague, but I I want to get if you felt this way, Paul, but the the Sokka of episode one and a little bit of episode two is not the Sokka of the rest of the show.
0: No, I I think I had read somewhere that... uh, they kind of softened on Sokka. Like Sokka, particularly in the first episode, he was meant to be the abrasive, obnoxious older brother. Um, uh, But then they, I think it was probably because of uh, the voice actor, um, Jack DeSena. I think he has an inherent sort of humor to his performance. and I I think they decided pretty quickly to, to soften Sokka a little bit and let him be more of the the comic relief and not quite so obnoxious, but
2: it, it, it made a difference. He's, he's pretty insufferable in the first two episodes. I gotta be honest. I, I, he was like, cause like, okay, let's be clear. Sokka is the Xander of the show.
0: <laughs> yes. Um,
2: <laughs> yes. But, but he starts off, he kind of starts off as like late show Xander. Like, like, bigger dickhead Xander of like the show going on for a while. Uh-huh. And then he kind of like regresses into more fun early Xander pretty quickly from there. So he just he's he's pretty hard to take early on. I I I was glad in episode three when he started to feel more like the Sokka that I knew and, and a little more goofy and fun again.
0: Yeah. And, and I mean, that is something uh, I think that was early development behind the scenes. They just they made a decision to kind of soften Sokka but throughout this entire series the I mean these these characters do change and grow and, and I mean we see progression you know one character may start out obnoxious and end up being not so obnoxious another you know maybe sweet and innocent and ends up not so sweet and innocent I don't know it's just because it's a set story with a beginning middle and end it's it's fascinating to watch characters go from point a to point b to point c and uh, yeah yeah I mean, I'll I'll just front load it and tell you that uh, I also love all the characters, um, like even the characters that I love to hate. I I wouldn't get rid of any of the characters on this show, but Sokka's my man. <laughs> I Sokka is my character. I love Sokka so much. You're right. In the first episode, he is he's difficult to take. But I, I was going to comment on the fact that um, even in the first episode, when you know presumably the writers were still trying to, uh, you know, sugarcoat it for Nickelodeon's sake or whatever. Um, they're they're hiding some really serious stuff under the occasional comic relief. I mean, you've got the moment where Aang wants to go penguin riding or penguin sledding. Uh, that's that's a goofy, funny moment. And Aang gets to be, you know, the the silly 12-year-old kid in that moment. But they're also, at the same time, they're talking about the fact that uh Sokka and Katara's tribe is basically abandoned. I mean Sokka is the only "quote unquote" adult male there. He's got to train all these little kids how to be fighters in case the Fire Nation attacks. I mean it's pretty dire, pretty bleak stuff even in the very first episode. Yeah, I mean it's, you know, we we
2: know that the earth that the sorry, the air tribe, the air nomads have been wiped out, but it's pretty clear that the Fire Nation has done something rather similar to the Southern Water Uh, tribe considering they also only have one waterbender Mm -hmm. it's only Katara Katara is the only waterbender left in the south which I had not I don't know if I ever I don't know if that tracked the first time I
0: watched it but that's pretty bleak too yeah and she doesn't have anybody to train her so what little waterbending she can do she's basically just self-taught and uh um which is is also why it's it's great to track the bending styles with the martial arts styles because, you know, basically Katara, she has kind of an innate ability. She can do some stuff, but she really needs a master to train her in this martial art style for her to, to really progress and become a, a decent waterbender. And she doesn't have anybody to train her. And so even before when they find Aang and even before they realize that he's the avatar and they they just she just finds out he's an airbender. She's excited because. I mean he's not a waterbender but he's a bender he's someone who can she hopes at least you know help her learn he can train her. And and I I just want to take a quick moment to shout out to
2: the person that apparently AJ didn't like Zuko who I will say while not maybe my favorite character has I think the most compelling character arc yeah. of the entire show. I,
1: I kind of um, I I I kind of expect that. Like I he, I expect to not just hate him as the show goes on, but right now he's, he's,
2: yeah, he, he's, he's a, he's a, he's an angry little peanut right now. So I get it. I, I don't know if I really liked him that much at this point either, but I want to, I want to shout out to the fact that his voice actor is Rufio.
0: From yes. Oak. Yes. <laughs> Bangarang. Absolutely. Yes. So um, it's very, very important
2: piece of information to understand.
0: Uh, yeah, let's talk a little bit about the voice cast. So, uh, so Prince Zuko is voiced by um, Dante Bosco, who, as as you just said, he was among many things. He was uh, Rufio in Hook, uh, and at the time of of this, in two thousand five, he was thirty years old. Then you had uh, Jack DeSena doing the voice of Sokka. I'm not I'm not entirely sure what else he's done, but at the time of this, he was eighteen. May Whitman uh, is the yeah, voice. Yeah, the, the voice.
2: incredible, amazing way May Whitman.
0: Yes, killing it. Yes. Again, as Katara. <laughs> Absolutely. So she's Katara. She was 17, and uh, Zachary Taylor or Zachary Tyler Ison, I think, is his full name. He's listed here as Zach Tyler. Uh, he's the voice of Ang. Uh, Ang is 12 years old, and at the time they did this, uh, Zach Tyler was 12 years old. So that is an actual 12 year old oh. doing the voice of a 12 year old Ang. They usually go like you know woman for a young
2: boy in yeah. most animation, you know, for because
0: it's a little easier to direct an adult. But
2: mm-hmm. I didn't realize he was an actual 12-year-old.
0: Yeah. And it was crazy because uh, like, I, I've, I've watched all the behind-the-scenes stuff and everything. And when you when you see when they're talking to Mae Whitman, well, first of all, I know who Mae Whitman is. So it's it's weird to see her talking and then for them to cut to her doing the voice of Katara. It, it's a little jarring. And then Dante Bosco also is kind of weird to see this 30-year-old guy who's doing the voice of 17-year-old Prince Zuko. Um, but when they talk to, uh, to Zack Tyler... He, I mean, he didn't have a shaved head, but he kind of looked like Aang. He absolutely acted like Aang. I mean, his voice, obviously <laughs> his voice sounded like Aang. And it was, it, there was no, you know, disparity between the two. If, if he had shaved his head and painted a blue arrow on his head, he would have been Aang.
2: That, it's, that is amazing. I have never seen him. And I know I'm going to have to go back and watch the um, the stuff to, to see that. He that was, is amazing. He
0: was pretty adorable. So other voices. And there's.
2: And there's- and there's there's another voice we need to lay down absolutely
0: here. uh so uncle iro uh um prince zuko's he's a retired general in the fire nation army and uh he's he's prince zuko's uncle voiced by the the in- incredible the the incomparable uh mako or mako how do you say it i say mako i'm assuming it's mako mako um who among many ma- just countless uh, roles that he has done, um, he, he was he was uh, Conan's chronicler in Conan the Barbarian. He was the voice of um, oh, what was the bad guy in in uh, Samurai Jack? Um, I can't I can't remember. Oh, really? He was that? He was the
2: bad guy in Samurai Jack. Yeah. Oh, I also
0: can't remember his name. Yeah. Anyways, he's he's done a million things, but he's absolutely fantastic.
2: Yeah, um, he's he's got one of those like. Like uh, unreal voices, his voice is just, just, uh, just absolutely incredible. And there's, I mean, he's been in so many amazing things, and this is, I think, for me, probably my favorite of his roles, even though he's been in many other things. But Iroh is just a character that I, I love dearly, and Mako has an awful lot to do with that. But he's also got some really killer writing to yeah, work with. Yeah, it's Mako.
0: Yeah, uh, Uncle Iro is one of those characters like whenever you are in a conversation with someone about the show and, and you're talking about like who's your favorite character everyone's like oh I love Sokka or, or I think Aang is my favorite character oh except for Uncle Iro. Uncle Iroh is everybody's favorite character but <laughs> excluding Iroh I would say you know Sokka's is my favorite character whatever <laughs> just Uncle Iroh is a treasure and Mako is did super. you in-
2: enjoy sorry
0: Paul I didn't mean to cut you off no I didn't mean to cut you off there man I was just going to say, you know, Mako is, is absolutely perfect in the role. I I was just curious what
2: AJ thought of, of what he saw of Iroh and was just wondering if you wanted to... Did did, did Iroh make an impression, AJ? I
1: liked Iroh.
2: <laughs> I, I liked him. You'll, you'll see more of him. Iroh <laughs> gets a legitimate backstory. He's the goofy uncle at this point, but he's one of yeah. the many characters who, over the course of the series, gets... He probably has some of, like, the best backstory as far as, like, when you, like the more you learn about Iroh, the more interesting of a character he gets. And he's a big part of why Zuko's character arc
1: works. I really liked his, uh, his ginseng tea bit.
0: Um, (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, that's kind of what, that's kind of what Iroh is. He's always looking out. I mean, he's always looking out for his nephew, uh, but he, he, I mean, he doesn't really explain it. Like he doesn't come out and say, I, I mean, he, he doesn't wear it on his sleeve, I suppose. Like he tr- he plays it off, like he's just a, you know, a goofy old man. But like
1: you, that's why you like him.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm a goofy old man, exactly. Um, <laughs> uh, what else? Well, we we haven't talked about um, we haven't talked about the other two characters. Uh, w- w- AJ, what were your impressions of uh, Appa when you first saw Appa?
1: My impression of Appa was so I haven't seen the Never Ending Story, but like a combination of that thing and the Cat Bus from My Neighbor Totoro.
0: Wow, wow, that's it's good. that's good. That's pretty good. Like, yeah.
1: <laughs> so I like him. I like him. Yeah. So this is. This is um. He's okay. So either that, or he's like if they turned a Wampa into into the Cat Bus.
0: <laughs> yeah, I could see that too. He's kind of got that face. Um, yeah, when, uh, when I first watched the show and, and, uh, we got the reveal of Appa, who is, um, that's Aang's flying bison. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I struggled for just a minute. I was like, oh my gosh, that's really weird. Like I, I got so you caught up. You
1: struggled with a, a huge, like pet
0: character? I, I did. And it, it's specifically because I'm such an animal lover and I've so... I spent just a couple I didn't last very long. I spent just a couple minutes kind of struggling with the anatomy of a gigantic furry creature with six legs and a big flat, like beaver tail. It was, it was just a little off. And, uh, part of that is because I hadn't quite yet accepted that this is, this is an alternate earth. <laughs> this is, uh, um, like Ang talks about going penguin sledding, uh, and th- minor spoiler throughout the series, usually when they talk about animals, like, well, actually at the end of uh, episode two, they're like, you know, over here, we're going to ride the hopping llamas. And then we're going to go over down here and ride the, uh, the hog monkeys or whatever. Usually when they talk about animals, that's how they refer to them. That animals in this world tend to be like a blend of two real world animals. Um, However, in this one, they just called them penguins. Like in a later episode, they may have called them penguin otters or something like that. Yeah, they're, they're, they're
2: otter penguins, yeah, is actually what they
0: Is that what actually they are. what they are? Yeah.
2: They're actually otter penguins,
0: yeah. Okay. Well, I just totally made that up. I didn't realize that. But yeah, they just call them penguins here. But anyways, um, so, so Appa, and then eventually when you see the penguins and you see that they have um, otter faces and uh, four sets of flippers or whatever, um that that's supposed to jolt you into the realization that this you're not on Earth anymore. Um, but yeah, and yeah, the
2: fact that keep an eye the animals are routinely hybrids. That's like, and there is there is not you know, all the animals you're going to meet are going to be like the I can't think of what the lemur that m- Momo which or whatever his name is we'll get to um, later. But I can't remember what hybrid that is. But you'll you'll routinely see weird weird animal hybrids as you go along, which is actually one of the weird little fantasy things that I really dig Mm -hmm. in this. I think the air bison's are the weirdest though, because usually it's like a combination of two animals and the air bison's are a mashup of a bunch of stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I struggled with that just a little bit. It was, it was, I was worried that it was going to be a a bridge of weirdness too far, but I, I, quickly, I mean, Appa has a personality and he's, he is a member of the group. He is a he is a main character in the show, so I mean, I quickly fell in love with Appa and and accepted the the weirdness of this world. And
2: and I I I'm not sure if we ever get an answer on this, Paul. And I'm curious: the air bison have the the arrow on their heads, which is the same as what the air tribe do with their tattoos mm-hmm. on their head.
0: Is that because of the air bison? Uh, yeah. I don't know if they ever explicitly state that, but yes, they do eventually, I mean, they do eventually tell us that the air bison were the, uh, at least symbolically, they were the first airbenders. Uh, so I'm assuming, I, I just assumed that the, the air nomads took the design of the ritual tattoos that they use from the, the natural markings of their air bison. Which they are very close with, yeah. the air bison. Yeah they're they're kind of like animal familiars almost in this world. Yeah. Um
1: totally. You guys are blowing my mind with all this animal talk. so sorry. I have never realized any of that? <laughs> uh, wh-
0: uh, what about Momo? What Would you think of uh the the flying lemur?
1: He's he's a lemur. He's <laughs> I really I like I I I know you keep asking me about these characters and I want to have more to say. I know. I'm like know. I I like him. He's a lemur. Uh, yeah he's, i know
2: Mo- momo's a disney character which he's the one that i struggle with and um yeah in cora we get sort of a similar animal companion type to momo which is obviously meant to be momo like later mm-hmm. and i feel like both times it really feels like this is like the american animation influence where everyone needs a an animal companion or a pet and so we get a flying lemur or whatever the hell momo is I like Momo. I have nothing against Momo, but I, I have a feeling that AJ is still going to be saying he's a lemur at the end of this show. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, I just say that randomly at all, at all times throughout the day.
0: I, I guess, the, <laughs> I guess the actual origin of Momo, um, like Eric, I'm surprised you haven't watched any of the, the behind the scenes stuff or whatever, but like the bonus features on the, on the DVD, I guess you don't have the DVDs, but, um, like, when, when they were first pitching this show, or when, they were, when the creators were first coming up with the, the kernels of the ideas for this show, uh, Brian Konitzko was just, was just sketching stuff. And he, he had sketched, like, um, he had this one sketch. It's kind of like the origin story of Hellboy, where Mike Mignola just drew this cool character and then decided, created an entire story around him. Um, he, would like, sketched out this little, uh, he called it a robot monkey with an arrow on its head. And then the robot monkey had a little kid sidekick and uh, like a giant walking polar bear, which we'll get to later. Uh, and, any, and he just sketched that and didn't know anything about him. And uh, they both fell in love with those ideas. And then those gradually morphed into he took the arrow off the little robot monkey and put it on the kid's head. And then he changed the robot monkey. The The robot monkey was named Momo in his sketch. And so he for the show, he decided to bring Momo from that sketch into the show. And he just turned him into a lemur. I mean, it was, it was just the original sketch had so many ideas that they loved and then they kind of morphed them. And, you know, I, at the time that they introduced Momo in the third episode, it kind of felt like, uh, like I didn't know what to expect in the third episode. I was like, Oh, they just, I, I guess Eric, like you said, it's kind of like the Disney thing. He needs a funny animal companion. Um, I, I guess I w- didn't even expect at the time that it, that Momo was going to stick around and be a regular part of the show, but yeah, and I, I
2: think I think we're maxed out on animal companions at this point, though. So don't expect a um, <laughs> horde of it. Not every every character will not get their own animal companion, <laughs>
0: over
2: the course of course. <clears throat> mercifully, mercifully, yeah,
1: yeah. Um, Do I get my <laughs> own animal companion for this show? Paul doesn't count. Paul oh, uh,
0: man.
2: Well, if
1: Paul doesn't count, then
2: what else is going to count? <laughs>
1: you you're my animal animal companion companion. eric i'm your lemur you are you're my you're my i don't know human platypus you know whatever (laughs) two different animals (laughs) together you're my my human platypus
0: not a pony you're not going to mix a pony in there somehow (laughs) that was too easy that was too easy oh man um well what else do we need to talk about we uh, so (sighs) In my notes, I had written down uh, for episode three, I made a note that, um, you know, we get uh, we get a, our first look at Aang's avatar state. That's absolutely not true. I think we see it in all three episodes, don't we?
2: We Do we? So I guess we kind of see it in episode one, but not really. Because in episode one, we only see it like him breaking out of the the iceberg, and we don't really know what it is right. at that point. It's and, not and clear in, that it's anything. Other
0: than yeah. Yeah. And, and we get a glimpse of it in the flashback when we see how he first ended up in the iceberg.
2: Yeah. But,
0: but you really don't
2: see it until the end of episode two, when he's captured by Zuko and gets knocked into the water. Yeah. Um, How did, how did that play for you, AJ? The, the moment of um, his first avatar state.
1: I, it was a little, uh, so, okay. So I, I know that this show is again, I know the show is supposed to be a big, like it's like an epic show, but Like we've discussed here in the first few episodes, it still feels a little, you know, it's, it feels like a Nickelodeon show and his avatar state is definitely, it's pretty dramatic. (laughs) It's, it's pretty intense. Mm -hmm. And I was, I, I kind of, I I liked it. I'm not sure I expected that so early on in the show, but I liked it. Yeah, I, I,
2: honestly, I didn't remember that the avatar state, avatar state happened that early. I didn't remember when the first avatar state happened. And I certainly didn't expect to see it in episode two. When it happened, I was like, "Well, shit! I didn't. I don't remember this." There you go. (laughs) I broke. I broke the swearing thing. I think. Um,
0: I think AJ did it earlier. Sorry. Okay. All right.
2: But yeah, no. That that actually caught me off guard. rewatching watching it because I didn't realize they dropped that this early, and it is really dramatic. I mean, also he water bends at that point, which I didn't realize that he was already going to start other um, element bending at that point. I was I was very surprised. I had totally forgotten that battle on the boat, like how it resolved. So. I was pretty I was pretty edge of my seat during that fight cuz I didn't remember what happened in it. It was it was really cool to watch
0: again. Yeah. Um I, that's a good point. That's something we haven't uh talked about. I think it's in the third episode where we get um we basically get the breakdown of of what the what the avatar cycle is. I mean, Eric, you you mentioned it in in the uh your description of the series earlier, uh the fact that there is an avatar cycle and that each avatar when one avatar dies He's reincarnated into the next nation, you know, the next part of the avatar cycle. So, um, in, in case you hadn't figured this out, AJ, that's what the opening sequence is, where it it goes um, water, earth, fire, air. That's the avatar cycle. So, like when right. when the water avatar dies, he's reincarnated as an earth avatar, or whatever. Uh, and I th- I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong, in episode 3 isn't uh, doesn't Katara mention the fact that um that like as the avatar he's supposed to master each one of these styles in in sequence basically? She mentions the sequence. Yeah,
2: although I I didn't pick up that the, the sequence was the avatar cycle sequence, but that makes a lot of sense now. Yeah, that, and that it actually that actually does because with with Korra, her last element is air. Right. Yeah. They which change makes it sense up in because Korra. yeah, because, which makes sense because she's water. She's the next person in the So, Okay. That that actually made, I totally missed that.
0: That makes yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah. When they're in the uh, when they're in that chamber at the Southern Air Temple with all the statues, they um, and they're trying to figure out what the statues are. And she, you know, Aang's like, "Look, this one's an Airbender." And then she says, "Oh, and here's a here's an Earthbender. This is the Avatar cycle." And they they talk it out. And they they mention Avatar Roku. The last statue in the line is Avatar Roku, who is a firebender. And uh, uh Sokka's like, "Oh my god, you you used to be a firebender. No wonder I didn't trust you when I first met you." Um
1: Okay, so his name was Roku, and that wasn't just me implanting the name of an electronic device <laughs> no, in the show.
0: Correct. hey
1: yeah. got it. I I'm
0: sure There's that's that... where, I'm sure that's where they got the name for the electronic device. I'm sure it came from this. I don't know. I have no idea what that word means, so I don't know. But um, anyways, so so yeah. Hold we, on. Real
1: talk. You've never heard of a Roku?
0: Yes, I've heard of a Roku. I don't. Okay. I don't know if that word oh, okay. means something. Like I don't know why it was chosen as the name of a TV box or whatever. It
2: it means six in Japanese. I have no idea why it was. Okay.
0: <laughs> um. Anyways, yeah. So so we get a little bit of a a little background, a little hint of what the, the whole avatar avatar state and the avatar cycle and what that is. Um, and so at this point, like, um, they are, I mean, the, the reason they're together is, um, Aang needs to master all these styles so he can become the avatar that he, he needs to be. And, um, he's taking, uh, Katara to the North Pole, which is where the other water tribe is. Um, and they presumably have water bending masters at the Northern Pole, at the Northern Water Tribe. So she's going to go up there and learn, uh, or they are going to go learn together. If they can find a water bending master that can train Katara, you can also train Aang. Um, and then Sokka, uh, Eric, like you said, he's the Xander. He's just tagging along for moral support at this point. Or to grumble about not having enough food.
2: Yes, a very important thing for someone to do yeah. in the middle of an epic fantasy show.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um. What else? What else do we have? Um. Well,
2: I think I think one of the things that's going to be interesting, and, I, and AJ, this is something that that I'm going to be curious about for as we go forward, because this is very much obviously like the setup of the show. This what we've got here. Um, and the show. I'll be curious for. Um at what point like you feel this show starts tipping from um feeling like a nickelodeon show to a great degree to not really feeling that way anymore because i know it sort of happened somewhere in the middle of season one for me and paul i'm I'm, the same question i think for you um to keep an eye out for like because right now i still feel like the balance is more towards nickelodeon show even though it feels Mm -hmm. like a legit show at some point, I think in season one is when it started feeling like, okay, this is legit. Like this is for real. So I'm kind of curious if we hit that point at the same time, or if different ones of us kind of feel like, oh, this show kicked into gear at this point, and we hit it hit it differently. So I'm that's a question I'm probably. Like I'm not gonna, I don't want to have to ask it every week. But if you hit that point, like if you come into an episode and you're like, this was it, this was the week where I totally was like ready for the plot to keep moving. I'm just curious when that hits. So shout
0: when it occurs because i think that's interesting you got just just yell penguin at the top of your lungs there we go (laughs)
2: there we go um
0: yeah so uh anything else um i i have to i want to comment on the music i love the music throughout the the series uh it's by a group called the track team or a duo called the track team benjamin win and jeremy zuckerman they do the music for uh the entire series for both series actually and um i love it like they use traditional instruments uh, of various cultures. I mean, they use a lot of um, uh, Chinese and Japanese instruments, but they also use some African instruments and some uh, Middle Eastern instruments. But uh, it's all—they use traditional instruments for the whole thing, and I absolutely love it.
2: Yeah, music is great for the show. Really, really, really
0: good. It, it's a—it's a crime that there is no officially. There's no official soundtrack that's been released i mean you can you can find all the music online but as far as i know they have never released an official soundtrack for the series yeah i think i
2: think that some of the music is available on soundcloud maybe Mm -hmm. at least some of the core music is available on like the uh jeremy zuckerman's soundcloud page okay um some of the core music is i don't know if avatar actually there is there's a little bit of avatar the last airbender music also available on his soundcloud page so if you want to hear it it's there i agree it's a crime it's not available to buy but if you're interested in hearing some of it um or you just want to write to some great music it's out there
0: yeah good music to write to um anything else what else do we have to say
1: um i i guess i'll just say that again i i really like this show i'm really glad we're doing this um because it's one of those things that I kept meaning to watch, but who knows when I would have gotten around to it. So I'm, I'm in, I'm glad to be here.
0: Okay. I guess, I guess you're here for the next episode then.
1: I suppose. All God right.
0: Damn it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, Eric, any, any closing thoughts?
2: No, I'm just excited to be rewatching this now that I, I just, I mean, I really just finished Cora mm-hmm. maybe two months ago. Um, so this is really exciting to go back to the beginning and, check it all out again so um i I don't think i'll quit just yet
0: (laughs) okay okay good that's good Um, eric
1: and i are gonna quit on air at the exact same time
0: yep awesome all right i will be the avatar abandoned by his family i see i see how this is gonna go Uh, paul
1: the last podcaster
0: that's exactly Man, I wish we could talk about the nightmare involved in coming up with a name for this show. <laughs> uh, let's not even go there. Let's just say The Avatar Returns was not my first choice for, <laughs> for a title. It's probably my 50th choice. I went through so many options. Uh, anyways, so uh, that was the first three chapters of the series. Um, thank you, everybody, for joining us. Uh, at the time of this recording, we are still setting up all of the 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 structure that will support the show. So I'm going to give you my closing spiel in the hopes that we make that this all work out. <laughs> if you're listening to this, obviously we got something to work, but, um, anyways, uh, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, uh, to make sure that you never miss an episode, uh, or you can find links to it on our website, which is theavatarreturns.com. Uh, whether you're a diehard Avatar fan or if you're just following along with us for the first time, we would love to hear from you, so you can drop us an email at uh, tarpodcast at gmail.com and uh, let us know what you think. And, of course, you can find us on social media. You can like us on Facebook, I'm told, uh, or you can follow us on Twitter. The show is at tarpodcast. Um, I am at Haunt1013, AJ is at Unplugged Crazy, and Eric is at Salon, that's S-A-A-L-O-N. I promised a friend of the show, Ken Edwards, uh, that I was going to let everyone here know about the episode of his podcast, so let's get to the point that I was on back in uh, February of this year. Um, I believe it's episode 68 of his show, it's titled Life, Love, and Airbending Else, Um, And as you may have intuited from that clever title, uh, we talked about Avatar and Korra as a whole for a couple of hours. So um, he wants everybody to know, if if you've already seen both of these shows and you want to fast forward to my complete uninhibited thoughts, as of eight months ago at least, uh, please check that out. It's uh, So Let's Get to the Point. You can find it on iTunes, Facebook, or you can just Google So Let's Get to the Point podcast. Um, Ken's a funny guy and he made me sound a lot smarter than I actually am. So thanks ken next week we'll be discussing book one chapters four five and six uh, that's the warriors of kiyoshi the king of Amashu, and imprisoned uh, and until then remember i'm just a guy with a boomerang i didn't ask for all this flying and magic
1: the earth, the air, the fire, the water, return, 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 return. The earth, the air, the fire, the water, return, return,
2: return, return. hey, a hey,